It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Marley. Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. You have found the Love Ladies right here on KTXW, The Bridge, Austin, where we are building bridges of love and leadership right here in Central Texas. We are so grateful that you have found us today. What a treat. You're going to want to keep that dial right where it is. I am Coach Carrie Brinkader. I am in studio with my beautiful co-host Marlene McMichael. Good morning, Marlene. Good morning, Carrie. How's it going? It's good. It's good. It's It's a beautiful day here today. It's the middle of October. Can you believe it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but because it's not hot. <laughs> I know. I know. It's been so nice. Um, we discussed this um, last week, but fake fall. Like, it's, you know, beautiful in the mornings, and but it's not just, just so sweltering, but it's so such a beautiful time of year. You have your fall decorations out, and man, it's just been so nice. Yes. I'm, I'm, my neighborhood goes all out for Halloween. Yes, they do. And... I don't, but I go all out for fall, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so um, I, I don't like all the scary, spooky stuff, I but I do love all the colors of fall, and so, yes, uh, as I said last week, my daughter thinks my uh, fall exploded on my front porch, <laughs> but, um, and in fact, I even had a, a friend come by the, uh, the other day, and she says, it's kind of crowded and busy out here, and I went, I like it. (laughs) You have the most beautiful front porch. You have the long, like, stereotypical southern front porch that, oh, it's just great. You can see all your neighbors and wave. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. My puppy looks out the window and barks at all of them. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love it. Oh, that's great. That's great. I am excited that it's the middle of October because that means my daughter's coming home in two weeks. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, my niece is getting married in Waco, and so Mackenzie gets to come home for the first time. She's been gone since August, so she gets to come home for the first time. She's very excited, as are we, so we're looking forward to that. Good family event. Absolutely. 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 And it's election time, people. So that means please go out and vote. Yes. We hope everyone got registered to vote. Absolutely. And uh, early voting starts October 24th and election day is November 8th. Somewhere in between those dates, go vote. Well, we have very important. A lot on the ballot. You can always look up your ballot online um, and you can it's a sample ballot of exactly what you're going to see when you go to the polls and uh, you can you can find that online it's very simple and i would encourage you to do that because a lot of times we're maybe less than prepared when we go you know we know the big race right um the governor's election but um maybe we're less prepared for the other things on the ballot there are a lot of ballot items yes. so do your research do. and there are a lot of places you can go to to get information or just mm-hmm. talk to people absolutely absolutely election day is coming up election day is november the 8th so we're what three weeks away not very far not yeah. very far the ads are ramping up all over in print and on the radio and on the tv <laughs> I feel like we're inundated with all of it, and we have this special guest today that's going to help us wade through all of this. Well, she's not going to help us wade through the elections, but she is going to help us wade through the government process in Texas. yes. And that I'm very excited about, and I'd like to introduce her to you now. Her name is Peggy Venable. She is the director of, of the appointments office for the Texas Governor, Greg Abbott, and has served in that role since September of 2017. Peggy has worked in public policy in grassroots campaigns in government, in the political arena, and in the private sector for over 35 years. She's a native Texan, and she spent 11 years in Washington, D.C., where she worked for President Ronald Reagan in his campaign and later served as the president as the president's White House liaison for the Department of Education and directed the 1984 National Republican Convention. And I can't wait to hear about that. I know. But she served also President Bush as White House liaison for the U.S. Department of the Interior and headed the Take Pride in America campaign. Peggy has been named to the University Star Hall of Fame for Texas State University, and the National Magazine Campaign and Elections named her as the top 25 Texas influencers. That is amazing. 
Peggy has guest hosted for syndicated talk shows around Texas, so she's very familiar with radio, and she has written over 100 articles that have been that have appeared in leading Texas newspapers and has spoken to groups around the state on policy issues and now on governmental appointments. Peggy is past president of the Texas Women's Alliance and past president of the Texas State University Foundation Board. And that's only part of her story. <laughs> she, that's her official bio, right. people, but she is an amazing lady, a dear friend, and um, as her bio says, quite an influencer. And I just love her to pieces, and I'm so glad she's on the, ho- on the show today and, because she has so much more to tell us about government. And that's mm-hmm. for many of us, this is an uncomfortable topic. Yeah. So she's made her way there and, and succeeded. And I'm very glad to welcome Peggy. So welcome, Peggy. Oh, well, thank you so much for inviting me to the show. I feel right at home here and so glad to be a part of it. Well, uh, you just knew everyone in the studio when you walked in, Peggy Venable. And I just think that's so, so neat. You've been here before. And welcome back. Thanks so much, Carrie. <laughs> I would like to give us, uh, give you guys our key verses for today. Um, Marlene has put together some beautiful scriptures. Um, Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, tells us to serve using the unique gifts that God has given us. And Peggy Venable has used her unique gifts to serve the state, the nation, and all of us. And Romans 6 through 8 says this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve it. If if it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I love these verses, uh, Marlene, because, you know, I have specific gifts. You have specific gifts. Peggy has specific gifts. Yet, we all have a common denominator. They all come from the Lord Jesus. And I pray that we're using them to glorify God. What what a beautiful testament to, to you, Peggy, for using your gifts to serve the state, the nation, and all of us. Well, it truly is a pleasure to be able to serve. I don't know. Uh, I think most of us don't really know what our gifts are, you know, <laughs> and, um, and we just look for a path. Yeah. And the truth is, if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and we follow him, he, he opens that path for us. And um, I believe that. I literally have seen it so many times in my life. And to be able to not put the burden on our own shoulders, but to put our faith and trust and love in Jesus Christ and be open to where he sends us, that truly is joyful. I know you told me a story about uh, your current position and how uh, the governor's office had called you multiple times and you kept telling them, no, you didn't want that position. (laughs) And I had a very similar experience in when uh, I was asked to lead the um, the Texas Conservative Coalition, which is a caucus in the legislature. They kept asking me, and I kept going, no. And finally, somebody said, uh, and uh, probably someone you knew, Susan Weddington, right. and she said, don't you understand what kind of influence you would have? And I went, no, mm-hmm. explain it. And she did, and I I ended up saying yes. So I know in your position you right. thought much the same way. You ended up, after multiple requests, saying yes. Well, it sounds so ungrateful. The truth is I was grateful to be asked. I just did not see it as the place where I could best serve, and I thought what I was doing was where I should be. And then one time, uh, I, it was within a short time, and um, I get the call, and I thought, I just it had just dawned on me. Of course I wanted that job. People are policy, and to be able to help the governor in making appointments to uh, positions in Texas. Mm-hmm. Texas is basically run by volunteers, and um, there are 400 boards and commissions that the governor appoints to. So I think that the the key is I, I saw just clearly that that was my path, mm-hmm. and I immediately said yes after for having previously listened to myself. And um, and I think that that happens sometimes, even though I think 
I turn my life over to the Lord, and each morning I pray that I follow his path. Sometimes it takes uh, several knocks on the door for him to say, this is your path. Tell us a little bit about what you do, Peggy, um, at the governor's office. Well, Governor Abbott, um, one of his authorities, in addition to uh, being able to uh, call – kind of lead the legislature and what bills they can take on early on in session and his ability to veto bills, he has the appointment authority. And the truth is the governor doesn't have a lot of powers himself, but Mm -hmm. that is one of the powers that he has and he takes very seriously. He's made almost 4,000 appointments since he's been in office. There are over 300 boards and commissions and everything from boards of regents where they have judicial responsibility and the policy responsibility for their universities mm-hmm. uh, to boards that are licensing boards that actually uh, can grant or take licenses away from uh, from doctors, from, mm-hmm. you know, so many different professions. The governor is, um, in his wisdom, I thought, He's going to give me this, you know, enormous charge, what he wanted to do. But when he brought on his new team, he brought us into a room, and there were about eight of us. And he said, I have two charges to give you. Number one, follow the law. Number two, provide good customer service. I've subsequently learned he also has a third, and that is serve with empathy. Uh Uh, Just to keep in mind that sometimes if they're licensing, um, you maybe take, have the authority, these appointees, to take away someone's livelihood. Mm-hmm. So these are all very, uh, some, some of them very heady and heavy responsibilities. Others not so much, but, um, but I think the governor always guides with empathy. He is a principled individual, and truly it is a joy to work in his office where some people think politics is dirty and underhanded and this, that, and the other. And I've had great experiences in that I think truly amazing people uh, run for office and offer themselves for service and um, have the very best of intentions in mind and that that's the bulk of what we have the opportunity to work with. So it's truly a pleasure. So every day I get to get up and do um, for a living what I would want to do as an avocation, and that's truly a privilege. Wow. Amen. Loving your job. That's um, that's amazing, and that's a big compliment. I, it is. And I speak from experience because as uh, a government affairs staffer for Texas State Technical College, I actually would take the candidates into her office oh. and prep them so that they could get ready to go before the Texas Senate because the Senate has to confirm most appointments. Okay. And, um, and so it was – her office is amazing, and she she runs a, a very well oiled machine there, and so it's it's really special. I want to get into really why, because you said the governor doesn't have a lot of power, and that is truth, and most Texans don't understand that. So I know we've got to go to a break pretty soon, but I want to get into that and why the framers of our constitution designed Texas government that way. You bet. And I, I, I think that's this so this is gonna be an, a civics lesson today, folks. And well, I and think to, you'll enjoy it. And to your point, Marlene, you brought this up um before the program that there's an ad out there that says, Why hasn't Governor Abbott passed laws, you know, for such and such? And you said he can't well, he can't because we're not in session. That's it's just a complete falsehood. He cannot pass the laws right now. But That's people right. are encouraging him to call a session, and I think he is hesitant to call a session if he doesn't know that within those 30 days something meaningful could be accomplished. So right. he has given the legislature uh, tasks to start studying and working on how can we further, for instance, um, make our schools uh, safe? What can we do on the different areas that are truly emergency items that we will be addressing right. early next year? And and to speak to that point, you don't want to call a special session unless it is an emergency. Sure. Right. Um, you want to respect people's time for sure. Well, friends, we do have to go to a break. We are here with Peggy Venable, the Director of Governmental Appointments for Governor Greg Abbott. And we have so much to discuss with Peggy today. 
Welcome back, listening friends. You have found the love ladies. You are listening to Love Talk here on The Bridge, Austin. Today's Christian Talk, 101 FM, 1120 AM. I'm Coach Carrie Brinkader. So great to have you with us today. And, of course, my beautiful co-host, Marlene McMichael. And, y'all, I just have to tell you, Marlene is such a blessing. You know, she's now been here uh, with the Love Talk ladies, with Kathy and I, for months. I feel like about six months, right, Marlene? Uh, we started in December. So oh, gosh, we're kind of longer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see, time just flies when you're having fun with Marlene McMichael. <laughs> but Marlene just brings a voice about topics that, I, frankly, I'm uncomfortable today. I don't know a lot about how our um, system of government works, necessarily the nitty-gritty of things within our government. I know the basics, okay? I know the basics. But these ladies, Marlene and our special guest today, Peggy Venable, have been entrenched in the inner workings of our Texas government for years, decades. And I am so grateful to be able to learn from these women and for them to be able to pass their knowledge on to you, listening friends, because what they have done over the course of their careers is phenomenal. And it has set a path for our government. And we have women who love the Lord and serve our government, which I think is fantastic. So, Peggy, I did get us a little off track because I'm so interested in your job um, in the governor's office. But let's backtrack just a little bit. And can you please tell our listening friends how you came to know that Jesus loves you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I actually grew up, you know, singing the song that you do in uh, 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 at church. Uh, Jesus loves you. The babies sing that all the time. Yeah. But do we really do we really believe that? And I think I grew up believing in the Lord, but I also went to a church that the preacher actually yelled. Um, mm-hmm. I can remember one service when I was in junior high. And he was yelling that we're all going to hell. And I thought, how could this be if Jesus loves you? And so I have to tell you, I I probably put my faith on the back burner for for several years. Mm -hmm. And um, I I truly came to back to the back to the Lord when I was working for Ronald Reagan. Wow. And it was partly his courage, his confidence, his his faith that um, when he would meet with staff, he would tell stories and um, talk about his faith. And he had such a such a principled man and such conviction. I admired him so. And then when I went to work for Don Hodel, who um, did prayer breakfast all over the country, he was an amazing man. Had been um, the head of the Department of Energy and then Interior. And I just truly had leaders that inspired me, and I, I think it was really, um, I, I jotted this down, I think it was Proverbs 3 when I had read that, and it really says, give your trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And to paraphrase it, it said, he will show you the path. Mm-hmm. And so the truth is, when I've come to not just a fork in the road in my life or a decision to be made, I truly every day wake up and and say, you know, lead me in the path you want me to go. And um, I think that it is freeing to take that burden off your shoulders and know that he is the one guiding you, that you are not responsible for making those decisions, that if you leave them to the Lord, um, he will show you the way. And the truth is, it has helped me live my life uh, counting my blessings being grateful for those blessings and really living, I consider, a joyful life. Mm. And there's a great peace in that and great great comfort. I love that. You know, I've read a lot <clears throat> about Ronald Reagan and how he conducted himself and how, especially in meetings with people who were technically across the aisle from him and how they could have a conversation, they could disagree, and then shake hands on the way out. 
Right. He would I, have drinks with Tip O'Neill yes, in the evening after fighting yes. all day. I think the key is he also said, if you're with me, you know, 80 or 90 percent of the time, then, then you're we're, we're together. Right. So I think sometimes when people nitpick and say, well, I don't agree with that or they didn't go far enough to do this, that or the other. I think we need to realize that um, this is a journey that, that not every session is not definitive and that most important things don't happen in one bill or mm-hmm. in one uh, mm-hmm. session. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, just having patience and truly giving grace, that's my yeah. latest challenge yeah. for myself and others, is to try to give grace, whether somebody cuts me off on my way to work <laughs> <laughs> or whether it's just myself and feeling like I um, didn't uh, didn't do as well as I might have on something. I think the, the key and what I struggle with is is giving grace. Mm. That's mm. my latest challenge. You know what you said about eighty um, percent of the time is so true, particularly yeah. in government, um, because you can't you can't make a home run or a touchdown with every piece of legislation or, or on every issue. But if you make a, a um, first down, hey. that's still a win. It, it may be 10 ground. yards, but, it's, but it is still a win. And that's very important uh, to uh, to remember in mm-hmm. when you're talking about government because you can't say, well, they didn't do. Well, what did they do? Sure. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I know I used to tell my staff that in politics – in government, you cannot burn a bridge because mm-hmm. you don't know when you got to use that bridge to escape the next fire. <laughs> and so uh, it's very to build on the next success. That's absolutely right. true. You can't you can't burn bridges. You have to to work with people uh, throughout the system, whether it's agency personnel or it's an elected official that's on the other part in the other party. You have to work with people because. That's how it works. Yeah. You know, I have to say, too, um, your reputation precedes you. So um, I've been working with the Texas legislature since 93 um, from the outside, mm-hmm. um, working for nonprofits. And it's interesting that I can disagree with people, but I have always had respect for the position they hold, mm. even if not for them, but the, for the position they hold. And um, I think it helps us in um, in working with people, just sure. re- respecting that they hold a position of authority. I think some people in the grassroots feel like, well, they're just a normal citizen. Well, yes, they're a normal citizen who has put themselves forward for public service. Yes. Um, hope, hope their motives are the right ones, but um, the truth is they're putting themselves up for public service. And so for me... Um, whether I was testifying or meeting with them, it was yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And um, it was, you know, uh, you do build bridges, just as you had said. Funny thing, I, when I took this job, I ran into someone in the cafeteria at the, at the Capitol um, who said, oh, my gosh, Peggy, I'm so glad you took that job. You are wonderful. You know, you'll do a great job. And he was very, um, uh, very complimentary. And the truth is, it was a Democrat who had been chairman of a committee when I first started working with the legislature and made a horrible mistake. I'd invited someone from our D.C. office to come down and testify, and he had asked a question, and she said, well, I really can't divulge that. It was like, oh, my gosh, she was so disrespectful to him. So I literally ran back to my office, called his office, and said, please, when that meeting is over, I want to meet with the chairman. Well, sure enough, I got a call, and he invited me to come over and meet, and I just apologized. I said, please no, I so apologize that I didn't meet with you earlier and let you know precisely what we plan to do, etc. And the truth is, from there on out, uh, he treated us very well. But it's it's part of it is also acknowledging you don't know what you don't know, sure. and you learn every day. If I'm not learning every day, I'm not doing a great job, even right now, as old as I am, <laughs> and as long as I've been in the in the business. But um, the truth is, I think dealing with people with respect mm-hmm. goes a long way. 
Amen. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned your job, that you took this job. And I know that most people in our listening audience do not know very much, if anything, about the governor's appointments office. Right. So in layman's terms, sure. could you tell us what the office is, what you do right. on a day-to-day basis, and maybe even get into why that is so important? Yeah, oh. Absolutely. Um, uh, I work in the governor's office and have um, eight people are on the appointment staff. We're actually housed in the um, in the extension, right across from the gift shop in the cafeteria, and um, we have no windows, but our door is always open. <laughs> so let me put it like that because the uh, extension is underground. Um, and truly, the most amazing, the most successful, um, uh, the the most. Uh, Um, amazing people in the state walk through our doors and offer themselves for public service. Um, As I'd mentioned earlier, we have around 300 boards and commissions. Um, Some actually run uh, or govern agencies, um, uh, but the executive director of these agencies reports to them, whether it be um, Parks and Wildlife or whether it is the Podiatry Board. I mean, Mm -hmm. they range uh, dramatically. and what they do, and also in the number on the board, some boards will have as many as 23 people, some are three people. Um, some boards' terms are for six years, others are for two years, and uh, a few are either four years or some serve at the pleasure of the governor, which means they serve until the governor replaces them. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, the truth is there's no no one board that depicts what all the boards look like. But we do have a website on the governor's website. If people go to um, the top right-hand side of the governor's website, it says organizations, and the appointments office um, pops up first. But people could just put in their search engine on their computer, uh, Governor Abbott Appointments Office, and our office would appear. We have every board that we appoint to listed along with a link to the enabling legislation or uh, tells people what they do and when they were created and by whom. Um, But we also um, have the appointment process outlined there along with the just very simple six-page application. So people, the first step is to take a look at that and see if there's something you have interest in. If you have a, a heart for public service, and I think your listeners probably do, Absolutely. then mm-hmm. there's a, there's likely a place for them to serve um, and fill out the application. The application is a simple six pages. Much of it is checking a box, you know, or filling in a blank. And we ask for that plus a resume plus a photo, and that is the application. Some of the positions that we fill are considered public positions. That means that the legislature hasn't said that that individual has to have any specific skills. I'll tell you a short story. My my daughter's married to a wonderful young man, but before they married, he had been um, student government president at his school, and she had introduced me to him, and I had said, well, you should apply for student regent. He said, oh, I don't know about that. And I said, no, you don't, you know, just apply. I called my predecessor at the time and said, um, this individual, Chris Covo is his name. I said, uh, not asking you to do anything special for him, but just know that he would serve Governor um, Perry very well. So sure enough, he ends up getting appointed. And I called to thank uh, Teresa Spears, who had my job then. And she said, well, Peggy, that was a really easy one. No one else applied. So don't tell Chris that (laughs) because he was very excited to get it. But after that, after he served that one year, then he was offered another position. And he called me and he said, why would I want to be um, a public member, quote, unquote, on the dentistry board or something dental advisory board? And I said, well, do you go see a dentist? Yes. Um, Well, do you want just dentists to be determining how their care is given? Or do you, as a a consumer, as a patient, want to have a say in that? He said, well, okay, I understand what you're saying. He took that position. Then they were offering him a really big position when they hired me. And he could not take it because we don't. We don't have family members appointed. But mm-hmm. it's a kind of an interesting story in that you never know until you apply that mm-hmm. you might get something. 
and the fact is when you are if you have a, a open mind and are willing to say I'll serve wherever the governor needs me to serve um, you might uh, get something an appointment where you would learn a lot and also give us an opportunity to see how you serve on a board and ultimately get uh, uh, an appointment that you really um, covet and and have interest in so it's a it's a fun office to work in we get to talk to everybody um, some people I will tell you that one of my predecessors is a congressman Jody Arrington and when I first took the job Jody called me congressman Arrington called me and said Peggy Venable I used to have your job and I remember <laughs> answering him congressman I will never have your job <laughs> but tell me how you did mine tell me what I need to know so I've always been open to anyone who's had my job before and lots of people have tell me what you learned what do I need to know what uh, what will help me do it better and he then went into a comedy routine, things like, uh, well, it's really not the appointments office, it's really the disappointments office because more people don't get position that they want than do. And I see that as a great opportunity to call people and say, well, this time, you know, the governor did not select you for this appointment, but we hope that you will um, have interest in something else or perhaps we can choose you in the future it tells us a lot about people and seeing how they accept that sure so to me disappointment calls are really important and we also want people to know how grateful we are that they are willing to um, offer themselves to public service so the the fact is um, he had lots of jokes about the office not all so funny but um, but the fact is it's a great place to be and every appointment my staff and I have a portfolio of boards that we handle, and we make recommendations to the governor. We actually sit in front of him, share the application, talk about the candidate, what that position that we need to fill, knowing that each board needs geographic diversity. We want all we want boards and commissions to look like Texas is what mm. the governor says. Sometimes in legislation it requires us to do that, and it says, you know, some may say no more than two members from any one Senate district, but most of them don't, and yet we look for people, make sure that we have people from East Texas. From They're not all Austin, Dallas, Houston, mm -hmm. San Antonio. We actually sometimes have to look for West Texas or people in South Texas, but the governor really wants these boards to look like Texas, and he makes every decision himself. Um, I've talked to some of my counterparts in other states, and they say, oh, surely the governor doesn't decide on, you know, advisory boards. No, this governor decides wow. on every one of them. And he knows more people in this state than I will ever know. And so um, the truth is he knows what he wants and what he needs. And um, I'm privileged that he has given me the opportunity and responsibility to help put names in front of him. Um, and I have an amazing staff that I work with. And it truly is an office where um, the whole governor's office, it is a team. And I don't see any of what people think happens in politics. Mm. It truly is um, our individuals that are competent and capable and knowledgeable and want to serve this state and this governor well. It's amazing. Well, in, in what Peggy is saying about um, the number of appointments and the authority of the governor to make these appointments, that's a constitutional authority in the state. Mm -hmm. And so what, it, what the civic lesson here is that Texas is un perhaps unique in that regard. Okay. The Constitution for the state of Texas was written right after the Civil War. And uh, the idea was to not concentrate power in one individual or in one legislative body. And so the boards and the commissions, the agencies in this state, are actually run by citizens. By the public. By the public who are not paid, who have nothing to gain. in Regular people. Regular old yes. people. And it was done that way intentionally. So the governor has very little legislative power. His power and authority is in his appointments, gotcha. and those appointments can actually outlive his tenure as governor or her tenure as governor. Um, so it's it's really interesting how the the power in the state is divided among the legislative body. The lieutenant governor has much more legislative power 
than the governor does. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's it's very interesting. And I love the the citizen board concept of um, of the state of Texas. I remember one piece of legislation that I helped get passed years ago. And I actually heard the agency say in a press conference, well, half that bill is really good and half that bill will just make sure it doesn't get implemented. Well, oh. he could he could do that until perhaps the governor said, no, you can't. But uh, but so it's very important just because you pass a piece of legislation that those boards and that those agency heads uh, take the authority that they have to implement what was mandated by the legislature and follow the law and follow the law so that's all neat stories um wow okay i did not i did not know any of this so what kind of people (laughs) are you looking for and so if we've got listeners in the audience who are interested in oh this is this is interesting maybe i could do this maybe i could serve and so who are you looking for and and who and what's the next step um, what we're looking for are people who truly um, want to serve, who have a servant's heart. Uh, we we don't uh, we can't appoint people to have conflicts. It's not to engrandize themselves, mm-hmm. um, uh, but individuals who truly want to serve. Uh, we love to see people who have had some experience on boards or commissions, and it could be city or county um, boards. It's amazing how many appointees. Um, how many people serve government um, that we don't even know are serving. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first step truly is, I think, to uh, deter- determine do you have the time. Um, some boards meet once a year. That's very rare. Some meet quarterly. Uh, very few meet monthly. But um, And certainly some can meet um, via uh, electronically, most of them in person. But I think part of it is um, making sure that the individual, you know, if you're thinking, do I want to do this, think, do I have the time to do it? And the truth is the busiest people seem to find time to. So all of us have time to do something that's important to us. And um, it, it may be a true learning experience for folks. But if you go in with a uh, with an open mind that I want to serve and am eager to learn, then um, I, I think that it, it will be truly a um, an enriching experience. Um, it, it, I think that Marlene put it absolutely correctly. That government is really run on a day-to-day basis by uh, policies that these boards set. The legislature creates the legislation and created these boards, and then they give them a responsibility. And these boards... Um, are truly amazing. You can actually go online and watch these boards. They're oh, open meetings. Wow. Okay. Um, most of them are televised, much like you can watch a hearing, a legislative hearing, or the legislative session um, online now. And it's or or even go back and check the minutes of the last meeting, or check the audio or video of the last meeting, and see what are they doing, what have they done, what I feel comfortable sitting around that table. Very often, men are. Um, I think um, never reticent to say, um, I can't do that. Sometimes women are more reticent and think, I can't do that. Um, The truth is, I I hope people have a can-do attitude because the government is run for all of us, and we all have a stake in it and an interest in it. So we look for people who are just willing to put themselves out there and say, I want to serve. Well, Peggy, that's how you initially got into government as we were talking during break. You you said, you know what, I can do that. You had confidence in yourself, and I am in awe of that, and I and I absolutely love that. Now, Marlene, you know, you, you brought these verses up about um, using our gifts and talents to serve others. And, Peggy, I believe that's exactly what you've done in your career in, uh, in, in government. And... And you too, Marlene. You've used well, your talents. And, and it's important that it, our Christian influence is there as well. And so this is, I can't say this enough, listeners. It's its really important. If there's a board that strikes your interest, apply. And you can go to Governor Abbott Appointments Office. If you Google that, it'll take you straight there. And I'm going to Google that as soon as I leave this program just to see what all's out there because <clears throat> this is 
This is new information to me. I, I think I, have a, I had a vague knowledge of this, but um, this is wonderful. So Governor Abbott Appointments Office, and I'll take you straight there. Friends, we have more with Peggy Venable um, when we return from our break. Um, Peggy Venable, the Director of Governmental Appointments for Governor Greg Abbott. We're going to hear a word from our amazing sponsors, and we'll be back to Love Talk right after this. Welcome back, listening friends. You're listening to Love Talk right here on The Bridge, Austin. We are so grateful to have you today. You're listening to The Love Ladies. Coach Carrie Brinkader here with Marlene McMichael and our wonderful guest, Peggy Venable, who is Governor Greg Abbott's Director of State Appointments. Um, Marlene, what a big job and a big responsibility. It is. It's, and she's done a great job, and I've worked with her in that regard, and, and she's also been my friend for many years. Wow. So uh, I'm very excited to have you here today, and I want to steer the conversation to something more personal, because your bio is voluminous yes. and, <laughs> and almost a dream uh, with the people that you've worked for and the places that you've worked. And, um, I mean, you were a liaison for President Ronald Reagan, who is one of my personal um, idols, and uh, mine too. <laughs> and and even President Bush. So tell us. Um, I mean, I know when I started at the Capitol, there were a lots of a lot of women in in offices, right. but they generally weren't in such high profile positions. Right. So how do you how does this little girl from Texas <laughs> get to be liaison to a one of our most iconic presidents, Ronald Reagan? And and, and tell me tell me what that was like for you. You know, I, the truth is I did not in uh, even in college think, oh I want to go into politics or policy or I want to work in Washington DC. No, I thought I was going to be an investigative journalist. And I pursued that route. But then I was offered a job with then, shows how old I am, UPI, in downtown Houston, working nights. And I knew what that was going to be, the police beat. And it was, and I realized it was a cold uh, reminder that as much as I had written and worked my way through college and journalism, um, I would have to start, start at the bottom um, and uh, with a news organization. And I was offered a job at TSTI in Waco at the time. And um, that's Texas State Technical Institute, now Texas State Technical exactly, College. Yes. And I'm a big believer in vocational technical education. And at the time I got out of college, uh, we were in a recession. And not many people getting out of college even had job offers. And I had several. But I decided to go to TSDI because I loved what they did. And I'm an enormous advocate of vocational technical education. Well, I'm working at TSDI and... Um, uh, I started out low man on the totem pole and worked my way up and, and became the director of public affairs. And um, President Ford at the time was coming through Waco. So long story short, um, uh, I was recommended to do the credentialing for the local media because I knew them all. So I did the credentialing and got a job offer to go to work on the uh, for President Ford. So I did that. And... Um, it was it was fascinating. I did it all the way to the convention in um, St. Louis, um, in Kansas City, and um, uh, it was in Kansas City. Um, and uh, there, I realized when I heard Ronald Reagan give his speech, he was asked to speak by President Ford, and he had just lost the nomination. And he spoke, and I will tell you, not just me, I believe everyone in that in that arena at that moment realized we have nominated the wrong person oh, wow. mm. and it was a it was an awesome feeling you won, but you didn't mm. and um I literally just uh, said to myself then, if I ever have the opportunity, I'm going to work for Ronald Reagan, so believe it or not um t s t i then uh, invited me to come back, and I did work there until the Ronald Reagan campaign. And then I said, I'm going to leave and work on the Ronald Reagan campaign. And they thought it was crazy. And they said, oh, we'll hold your job open for you, which they're not supposed to do. And I said, no, 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 I'm not coming back. I'm going to go to Washington. And so sure enough, I went to Austin and worked out of a, then it was an abandoned funeral home. Which <laughs> worked for Ronald Reagan's uh, election. And then I went to Washington, um, was given the opportunity to 
uh, the liaison for Department of Education really meant that you did the political hiring, working with White House personnel and the secretary, who, frankly, did not want Reaganites in the department at the time. And it was my job to make sure that we, it was run by Reaganites. So we did that. And um, it was an interesting job. Um, I ended up going to the Republican National Committee because uh, people at the White House had wanted me to be the executive director of the, of the convention, which was awe-inspiring to me. And I didn't know how I've done meetings and uh, planned meetings before and all. But not, but a, not national a national convention. convention. A wow. Yeah. And um, uh, lots, of pe- uh, uh, lots of people helped. I did not do that alone, but literally did um, – the the first to do um, contracts with, for instance, American Airlines to be the official carrier and things like that because I thought it was important to help save money for those people who out of their own pocket are going to the convention to mm-hmm. um, to really set the platform and, and the rules and nominate the uh, presidential candidate. So it was fascinating. I turned in my resignation. Uh, after eight years, I went back into the Reagan administration I turned in my resignation when Bush was uh, was elected, and I get called to the secretary's office. He had named a new secretary of interior. I'd been heading something called Take Pride in America uh, at interior at the end of the Reagan administration. And um, I was called in to meet with the secretary, and I thought, well, this really makes sense. He's going to accept my resignation as a sign that other people should resign because any new president deserves to put their own people in place. But much to my surprise, he said, the White House has said that you're going to be my White House liaison. And I said, well, that's interesting they told you, but they, and they, but they did not tell me. I plan to go back to Texas and raise my daughter a Texan. But this is how you work with your White House liaison, and this is what they do, and this is how you would work with them. Well, by the end of that meeting, he said, I want you to do it. And if you'll do it for me for two years and staff this department, uh, then I'll help you do whatever you want to do after that. So I decided to put on hold my return to Texas and stayed during the Bush administration. Wow. So there you go. It was a great experience. Uh, the greatest privilege uh, was working for Ronald Reagan. I will tell you, I feel the same admiration for Governor Abbott mm. that I did for Ronald Reagan. Wow. Two amazing principled um, leaders who are decisive, who uh, put trust in their in their staff and in the process. And um, I just um, am grateful for the path that I've been led. Amazing. To. How much of that path, I mean, were you consciously aware of the Lord's guiding during that time and, and your role and what his plan was for I have to tell you, I I was more conscious of it under Ronald Reagan. Just Mm -hmm. to hear him, he would bring staff in and talk about um, what his what his objectives were and his plans. He did that on a regular basis. It was awe inspiring. I don't mind telling you, Um, and he would always uh, interject his faith and why he thought that was the right thing to do. I actually went to Washington, and I was not pro life. And Ronald Reagan, uh, listening to him, I realized, how could you not be pro-life when when life begins with inception? How can you not protect mm. the innocent? And just opened my eyes to so many things that I'd truly been naive to. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just started really asking the Lord to guide me. And I am, um, I, I am just a servant. Amazing. Well, I know you you talk about the innocence, and you also talked about your daughter. And I know anybody that knows you knows you have three beautiful grandchildren. Tell us about them real quick. Oh, my goodness. What a blessing. If you ever wonder, you know, uh, preservation of life is important. Uh, Being a grandparent has just been the greatest blessing of my life. I had a good investment. One daughter, three grandbabies. <laughs> you know, a good return on your investment. Good return on my investment. But it is it is just constant joy. So here I get to do, I have a dream job that I get to work, and then I get to leave and go visit grandbabies, and I'll be with them this weekend. So what a joy that is. I'm going to the Right to Life dinner um, uh, coming up. 
But um, but the truth is, it's just a joy. So I I love everything I get to do, and I feel blessed and privileged to be able to do it. I would like to for you to give in a very short amount of time a little encouragement to single mothers out there because you raised your daughter. Um, I was a single mom much of the time. Yeah, and give some encouragement to our single mamas out there that are, you you know, know, career-minded. I felt so blessed that I was able to have a child, and um, there were times when um, her father was in his life, and times that he was not. Mm -hmm. And um, the truth is, uh, she was a blessing, and. Uh, to be a mother has probably been the greatest privilege of my life. Mm -hmm. And without the Lord, I would not have done that. I truly was told that I probably would never be able to have children. So for me, it has been such a a privilege, and I get to relive the joy of life through grandbabies. Mm -hmm. And that's the the best that it gets. I love it. I love it. Wow, Peggy. Yeah, I we could talk to you for another hour because I know there's so much more. You mm-hmm. you and Marlene have brought up so many topics just during our breaks. I wish Gavin, our producer, always tells us that we need to air our breaks because there's so much rich information that we discuss <laughs> during our breaks. Thank you for your service. Well, thank you. And actually, we've reached out to Marlene, and I know someone in my office who handles a board. We're rather entrepreneurial there, and I, um, those folks that handle their boards, they uh, are ones that come up with the recommendations. I get to suggest people that they consider, and um, Marlene is uh, on top of our list to get an appointment, which I, I think you will like a lot. Um, and <laughs> oh, offline, offline. Dun, we'll talk dun, about that. <laughs> Losing friends, that may be an announcement soon. But yeah. well, I think it really means that um, that people with a servant's heart should consider public service, and that mm-hmm. that is one way that we can truly serve one another mm-hmm. and find additional meaning in life and use the gifts that we've been given. And I hope the listeners hear that and go to the website and turn in their application. Oh, I do too. Thank right, you. Governor Abbott Appointments Office. Friends, we love you. You can find us on lovetalknetwork.com. You can find us on Love Talk Radio on Facebook. You can also find us on our podcast, Love Talk. It's all one word. Smash it all together, and you will find our beautiful, shiny faces there. For Marlene McMichael, Peggy Venable, I'm Coach Carrie Brinkader. We'll see you next time right here on Love Talk.